finals morning, I remember just telling myself, oh, you're, you're going to run 39. You're going to run 39. And went out. I think the top score at the time was Brando with either three or four. Um, you know, it was far enough down that it was like, you know, you got to get a start and run it. Yeah. And that feeling, I think, to this day, running 39 in the finals at U21 Worlds, I don't think it's I don't think it's been beat to this day because of the two year kind of plan, you know, coming off of Junior Worlds in Australia. It was such a like mission accomplished feeling, wow. you know, and I ended up winning. Um, Robert came, as always, super close running 39, um, came up a bit short. But anyway, ended up winning. And, and yeah, I, I, I can remember that like yesterday. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Waterski Podcast. Episode 26 is the first part of my two part interview with Dame Meckler. Um, I think this episode and this two-part series came out super well for a number of reasons well obviously me and Dane are very good friends so we know each other we know how to feed off each other uh, fairly well so that was an easy going interview and also we were on the as you'll hear on the judges tower at lake 38 a place that is both dear to Dane and I because of all the time that we spend there skiing with Keith um so the interview was very easy going of course there was skiing going on so i had to do quite a bit of editing um i don't think there's too many breaks where it looks like the conversation didn't continue but uh, nevertheless it we were interrupted a few times let's put it this way uh and still i think the content that uh dane shared about his journey is unbelievable from you know growing up in Ohio having to fight the weather to get some skiing to finding out about Cody Pico ski school and getting influence there and eventually all the way up to his um two world titles the university worlds and the under 21 worlds and that's where this first part um pretty much ends lots of other stuff in between so Good news, you won't have to wait until next Tuesday to hear uh, part two of Danes. We'll actually post that on Saturday. And I'll take the opportunity for that episode to leave a pretty big announcement. So until then, enjoy this part one and uh, have a great week. Should we start? Let's do it. Dane, Let me know. welcome to the Waterski Podcast, Mateo, buddy. Mateo, thank you, man. This is awesome. It's a pleasure to be here. Wow, pleasure to be here like twice, right? Like uh, give a bit of context. Where are we right now? What are no, we seeing? I mean, I, I wish the listeners could see where we are right now. It's unbelievable. We are currently Lake 38, Judges Tower. Like over my right shoulder is three ball. I can see four ball right in front of me. It's unbelievable. Perfect water. So now it's good to be back. I couldn't think of a more perfect spot to do this. Right. And we'll we'll get to speak about why this three ball is particularly important to you. Um, but, you know, as I do with all the guests, even just as a little warm up, which for you is 32 off, um, 
how'd you get into water skiing, buddy? Yeah, so it was 100% a family thing. Uh, my dad grew up, you know, skiing on public water. Um, he thought he was super good, you know, until he found out about this thing called the slalom course. Right, kind yeah. of realized, you know, hey, that there's a lot more to this and just sort of got addicted to it. Um, when my brother and I were born, um, you know, he had us on skis as far as I can remember. I, um, you know, it, it was pretty much all I knew growing up. We'd go to the lake as a family. We'd travel to tournaments as a family. Um, we had a perfect um, water ski site in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, at Hidden Lake Ski Club, and, and really that's where I got my start. First time on skis, I think five, shortly after, one ski two weeks later. and Two weeks later? Yeah, I think so. So that was I mean, okay, the... I, was, I was on skis, you know, tied together and stuff earlier, but when it was, it was time to, you know, I think summer when I was five, things okay. really picked up quick. My brother was seven at the time, and um, yeah, so. Yeah, because, you know, like there's, the, there's that whole philosophy of like, You got to learn how to run the slalom course with two. You have to sort of like, you know, go up with two skis. But it sounded like dad was like, I oh, know, let's get on one. And let's yeah, no, I mean, actually, my brother took kind of two years off. All, he's, all he wanted to do was barefoot, which, you know, probably drove my dad nuts, right? Right, right, So right. when I was five, um, my dad got me on skis and I started to progress. And my brother was like, oh, no, I want to do that too, you know. So we, we kind of had that start at the same time a bit. And, um, yeah, I remember like vividly my first time ever on one ski. Give like, me the context. Where were you? So, How was it? Um, we were at Hidden Lake, which is a little bit, we'll kind of get to why it's a little bit um, um, like reminiscent of, of that time. Um, but anyway, yeah, one ski, the whole club was up on the shore just clapping, you know. <laughs> no way. Like, um, my dad, they recently got a Nautique. I just remember the whole picture very well. Like perfect weather, Cincinnati, Midwest. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, and then from there, where, how did your skiing develop? Yeah, so, um, I mean, as far back as I can remember, my dad was very into technique, very into, you know, it was a little bit different at the time. I was still kind of coming off the, you know, most coaches at the time were very, you know, pull hard, go hard, right, get your hips up, shoulders back, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my dad kept it very simple, but um, I'd say he was a little bit ahead of his time. As far as what we do now or what we think now, I can just remember him, you know, just over and over and over, you know, just hold easy, let the boat do the work, you know, head up. And um, it very was very ahead of the time. It was very different from what other coaches or other, you know, friends were getting told. Um, but now looking back, I mean, I think obviously we know now it's the way yeah. to go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think seven, maybe first tournament. Um, Midwest, I had, I really did it, you know, 100%. All my friends were doing it, right? We had a really good ski group. Um, and yeah, we just, every weekend we'd go to a different tournament in the Midwest and kind of just took off from there. Yeah. So. Were you into the other two events as well or was it like... So that came a little bit later. Um, so, you know, my dad only stalled him, my family only stalled him for a while and... Later on, my dad, when I was getting at my later years of boys one, nine-ish years old, um, he brought us down to Corey Pico's ski school Ooh. to learn how to trick. And we had done a little bit before we went, but we were pretty much there to learn how to trick, you know, learn how to do backs and O's and all of that. Right, the basics. And um, so, yeah, so Corey, that was kind of my first time there. 
Um, and from there, we, you know, started to learn the other events a bit. Jump came a little bit later, but yeah, it was full on overall skier growing up. Interesting. So you started going to Cordy's because dad said, okay, it's time to learn some tricks. Exactly. And what better place to go? I mean, no, of course, of course. Right. But like, uh, interesting because then you continue to go and still go to Cordy's, you know, after all these years. So it's cool that that even though you're not tricking anymore, that, you know, right. relationship with that place stayed. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, Corey's was a huge part of growing up. It was a big reason why I'm the skier I am today. Um, I think, you know, we went down to Corey's and, I mean, you know, Corey's, I mean, we'd see skiing that I've never even heard of, you know. You right. have, I mean, obviously Adam, but at the time, Haywood McDonald was training there, Sandra Ambrosi, like you had a bunch of really good skiers. And then, you know, coaching them, obviously, Corey was still skiing. Uh, Javier Julio was there. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the first time that I was really exposed to professional water skiing. What was the shock? Because, you know, when I interviewed Nick, he said one of the things that really got him was the fact that this is an international sport, obviously, you know. So I'm assuming that was your first exposure to people from, you know, Mexico, Argentina, Europe, like... 100%. I mean... Going down there, it was such a different, it was almost a new sport compared to what I was used to back home. Right. Um, you know, it, we saw people training differently and, you know, I got exposed to, you know, people from all over the world. And um, I think that really pushed me at the time, like, this is something I really want to do. Like, right. I really want to come back here and I really want to be, you know, these guys training. And, um, you know, I, I certainly wanted to be a part of that. And, and I think that was a big reason for for me growing up the you know why to keep pushing it right right so. did that stay constant throughout your like say school years and the reason why i asked that is that you know a lot we have a lot of obviously international listeners and one peculiar thing about the united states is that you're exposed to a lot of sports in school like yep. if you're a kid and you want to do sports it's within the school system yep so i'm sure you got exposed to some sports too when you were in school was skiing always like the guiding star or did you get almost like yeah you know I, I, skiing was certainly always the top yeah it was definitely something my family always did but i did get involved in i mean i played basketball for eight or nine years i played you know early on baseball which very difficult to right. water ski with the baseball season right so that ended pretty quick um you know later on in high school played rugby um but anyway no skiing was always kind of the top it was my you know, my dad's passion, my brother was very involved, my mom skied. Yeah. Um, it was something we, you know, most of my friends were skiers from the yeah. lake. And no, so I, I'd say it, it It was pretty much always the top. Did you have the moments, I don't know, like, I think at least I knew I had them, where you're playing basketball and you notice something that, wow, if I do this well, like, it might translate into my skiing, you know? Like, do you have moments like that? Yeah, I mean, I, it was more like, you know, being an individual sport, you don't really get that, like, all right, I need to train, I need to do this, we need to practice, we need to, right? Right. Um, especially early on. So I, I think some of that really helped, being part of a team sport, just learning how to, you know, do your job to, to contribute. And, um, yeah, I think a, a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So, you know, you started competing fairly young from the sound of it. Um, what was that first tournament, or maybe even not tournament, what was that moment, if you remember, early on when you started to go, okay, I might, might be good at this, you know, like I might... Yeah, so growing up Midwest, we really focused on, we had the state championship, regionals, and nationals. Yep. Um, 
and I was always a little bit of the younger, um, I was always a little bit younger relative to the other kids that I was skiing with, and um, I certainly kind of looked up to them to, you know, see their path, and um, I was very lucky to have that in the Midwest, like, you think about, I remember, like, you know, Ty Openlander oh, yeah. was just crushing it. Right. Kale Burdick was following after him. Nate Smith after that. Uh, my brother was certainly in their footsteps as well. Um, Sam Jackson, right? So anyway, I was always sort of chasing, right? Um, always wanted to be kind of in their shoes. And I think when I was 10, it was my last year in Boys 1 at 30 miles an hour. And I really started making a push at, you know, the top spots in the nation. Um, I remember like running my first 28 off was just the biggest day ever. Really? You know, like two at 32 off, like PB, I can remember it like it was yesterday. No way. Um, and then that year I ended up, I think it was third at nationals, mm -hmm. which for me coming from Ohio was a huge deal. And I think that that was really like, you know, the next year I went on to 34, but it was always, I think that was really the first time I was like, you know, this is something I want to really push at right right and it's crazy so. how for the united states like the nationals is such a big tournament so i can see how if, if you perform well there right you know yeah and it, it was one round very far you know i yeah. think my first nationals was at west palm beach florida mm -hmm. the next year was the year i got third and you know one round you're you're not really in that position ever like growing up going to just you know class c tournaments right and uh, yeah, so that was a big that was a big deal. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And um, all right, so you're ten, you get you know third, you said. Yep. Third at boys one nationals. I think so, yeah. And then, obviously, nationals is generally around um, August, right? Yep. And I think it's a good time to talk about how you the season in which you grew up skiing, because I mean, it sounds like you you made your trips right. to Corey's, and Corey's, you know, it's in Florida, you know, it's warmer. But at home, it gets cold and gloomy yeah, and gray, I mean, right? 100%. I mean, the lake that I grew up skiing at, we actually lost when I was nine. Mm -hmm. So that last year in Boys 1, we were skiing at a new site, which we were really lucky to have. But the conditions there, I mean, anything over seven miles an hour was pretty much white caps. Okay. So a lot of wind, right? And then Cincinnati, three months tops in the season-ish, right? Three right. to four. And, um, yeah, so I, I guess when I, a little bit later in my teenage years, we started really pushing skiing in cold water, mm -hmm. um, especially when I got a little bit older, but we would go as long as we could. And I mean, some years, a little bit later, I mean, we'd go until there was ice on the water <laughs> and then the first day it thawed, we were back out there, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, it was certainly tough growing up in Cincinnati, you know, cause all of my competitors were in Florida or around the world. Right um in warm climates and yeah i think that really helped drive my passion to do it though yeah for sure because it was like you know you really had to want it to do that and, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so you don't get the luxury of ah oh, today's a little windy i don't go you know yeah, if it's no. september and it's like 55 or 60 you're out yeah i mean there was conditions that i skied in growing up that i just i think back on it, it's like wow <laughs> right you know? and at the time it was just normal but you know what's funny is that like if you think of all the I mean, I can name you a lot of great skiers, like Hall of Famers, or maybe not yet because they haven't retired yet. They grew up in those conditions, right? Your friend yeah, Nate, no. yep. exactly. Uh, Will Asher, Thomas De Gasperi, you know, like old uh, Martin Coleman, the current world overall champion, 
you know, like they, they broke eyes, they wore Vaseline on their face, they put the swim cap on, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for skiing on cold water as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think learning how to turn your ski, I mean, it's, it's no skiing on cold water is hard. Right. Your ski doesn't want to turn, the ski rides so high in the water, everything feels fast. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, not only for me, but for all those guys, I really think that it, you know, it helped me a lot develop into the skier I am now. Right. So. Right, right. So when was your first uh, international tournament? Yeah, so first international tournament, I guess, would have been um, the Junior World Championships, I believe, in 2013. 2013. Yeah, 2013. And I guess I'll back up just a bit. Um, a couple years before that, before you guys hosted the World Cham- Junior World Championships in 2010, um, I didn't even know it was a thing, to right. be honest. I, I really didn't. Right. And my brother, I think, sort of accidentally qualified. What do you mean accidentally time? qualified? I mean, we were, so you got the score, man. M- most people, you know, are like, I got to get in. I got it right? I wanted to qualify for this tournament. Right. And his story, on the, I believe... After he ran the score, it was, it was more of like a, hey, you know, with that, you're going to be qualified to ski in the Junior World Championships. Oh, I had no idea. No, I, I don't think so. Thinking back. Well, and I, Mason, I can see that. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> oh, okay. And I ended up being fairly close to that list. And I think my brother going to that tournament and me not being invited, you know, not being qualified, at, that was like, man, I can't wait for the next one. Like, right. I'm going to be right. on that list. I'm going to be, you know, going. And, um, yeah, so 2013 qualified. I was I was actually toward the top of the list. I think I, I had an average of almost 439 or so. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I, I think it was 3 or 439. So. And where, where were they? So in Australia. And um, I think this was really the, probably the biggest turning point for my career. Interesting. I think, yeah. Here's the story. So, Junior Worlds, middle of the winter, back home, very hard to, you know, really get ready for. Prep right. for. We were skiing in the ice, skiing in the cold. We had, you know, warm water coolers in the back of the boat. I mean, it was it was tough. Right. And uh, get there, to be honest, wasn't prepped really well. Kind of first major tournament, and um, got through to the finals, but in the finals went down really early mm-hmm. and um i remember that day just thinking like I, first of all i was devastated right right we've all been there but i remember thinking that day like the next time i have this opportunity i'm i'm going to win like i'm going to do whatever it takes wow and um i remember just like you know i think that's what really got me through that you know because it, that was certainly a road where it was like you know i put all this work in didn't go my way like either i'm you know, like I, I could, I could have seen myself at that time being like, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Oh, okay. And it was totally the opposite. It was like, I, okay. I think it was like by far maybe the best thing that ever happened to me. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. And so, cause I, I can see that. I mean, you could have, you could have gone either way. You could have gone a third way of like, right. Hey, I did my best. The lake was frozen Yeah. next time. Right. right. But your thought was like, no, I, the next time I'm doing one of these, I'm going to be as prepared as possible. Yep. And then because it was on a Austra- in Australia, two weeks later, we had Moomba got to go to Moomba and that was my first big win. Uh-huh. I got, yeah. So I won the junior Moomba 2013 
um, sort of got my confidence back. I skied my pro- first pro event, I believe, I think it was just after Moomba or just before um, in Port Macquarie at Stony Park. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a tremendous experience. First pro event, um, like Corey Vaughn, Daniel Advarco and I, we were like in this cabin together. Anyway, those guys really took me in in that time. And, uh, you know, so cool. as I said, I came off the, you know, going down really early in the finals. And I think that that really set the stage, you know, for the following two weeks, which yep. is that's what I kind of want to ask you. Because, yep. you know, I can you knew you were going to go to Junior Moomba after Junior right. Worlds. Right. And you had that moment of like, OK, like next time I'm doing one of these, I'm going to be as prepared as possible. Yep. Do you think that like did that affect you those two weeks in any way because you know it's not in two weeks you can do a lot of preparation you can do some right no i i think it was more just like i didn't want to have that feeling again you know mm-hmm. and um i knew that i was good enough to be there like you know and um i think it was more about just brushing it off i was like all right you know what it doesn't matter right. i have this opportunity now you know we're gonna take full advantage of it right but i think having those guys around i mean you know, first pro event, I remember, like, watching Will just crush 39s. And, you know, we all had dinner that night, like, you know. Right. And um, I think that really helped me kind of kind of get back on my feet and was like, all right, mm-hmm. you know. So. Mm-hmm. so did that pro tournament experience, which, I mean, I don't want to say unjustified because it's not the right word, but you were young. Like, you were Very coming young. from the junior worlds, like, you know. Yep. Um, did that sort of give you another push like oh this is another thing that i can do maybe if i you know down the line or um i think first round uh ran 39 or no sorry ran 38 which at the time was still a you know challenging pass for me um and i remember it was pouring down rain just pouring down rain the lakes were sort of flooded and right um but anyway i think just being around it was the first time I got exposed to, you know, skiing against pro skiers. Right. And no, at 100%, it pushed me to, uh, you know, I really want to, I remember having the feeling of like, I want to be these guys. You want to be those guys. You know, I, I want to be in their shoes. I want to be here for this. Right. You know, right. rather than it was kind of like I skied it because it was convenient. Like, no, I want to, you know, I want to yeah. be good enough where I can come back and, and really compete. That's so cool. Yeah. That's so cool. And so that's 2013. If my memory don't doesn't fail me, you were either 18 or turning 18 that year. Yep. So kind of finishing high school, you yep. know, you're like a, now an internationally experienced skier. Oh, wow. Well, people drive at Lake 38, right? <laughs> um, internationally experienced skier, off to college. Yeah, so that was a, a difficult decision for me. I... Um you know, obviously, I really wanted to ski in college. Yeah. Being back home, I really wanted to get south. Um, I had opportunities, you know, to stay at home and go to Ohio State or, you know, stay in the Midwest. And um, I remember looking at schools. My brother had gone to Arizona State. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I toured all the schools and decided on Louisiana Lafayette. And um, we'll, t- we'll talk about this a little bit here. I remember my first recruiting trip down there yeah obviously you were there yep and um i we drove 13 hours there classic meckler style yeah drove all the way suburban full yeah. of food full of yeah. drinks you know you know ready down. to get south because it was starting to get cold i think when we went down and um Stopping i just for remember gas only you know yeah yeah so i i just remember showing up and i mean it was like full-on like 
I mean, it was just what an experience. Right. And a little bit of a funny story. That night, I think it was the first night I got there. Yep. <laughs> you guys pretty much were like, all right, we want this guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> we're going to do anything you could to get it. Yep. So I remember we went to the bar and, and Chris Wharton was like, hey, you see all these girls here? Like, this is the UL soccer team. We're going to be hanging with them. <laughs> you know? So anyway, it was, um, yeah. So yeah, I'll basically, you... yeah, I'll, I'll just fill in a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we want to keep it NFS here, but uh, um, <laughs> we don't, sorry. Uh, we want to keep it SF. W, so safe for work. But essentially, yeah, like we really wanted you before you even showed up. You know, you were a big recruit. And uh, yeah, so I asked Chris because I wasn't skiing anymore. I was there for my master's degree. But, you know, I was obviously right. a proud alumni of the ski team and I wanted the best recruits to go there. And I said to Chris, hey, you need to do something here. You know, like the this guy needs to be really wanting to come here because I know you went to ASU already or you yep. were in the plans of going. Yeah, Alabama was Alabama, still in the mix. You know, like there was yeah. a lot of good schools that wanted you. And so Chris, you know, uh, had a chat with the soccer team and basically he told them, hey, we want to make sure this guy comes. <laughs> and and they were successful. You got to give it to the 2013, 2014 soccer, UL soccer team. They helped us recruiting you. Yeah. I mean, but that that aside, too, I, I remember I had zero expectations for Lafayette. I went down there, and, and it wasn't like I was 100% set to go at all. Right. I had no idea what to expect. And I got there, and I was honestly blown away. It was way bigger than I thought. The town was way better than I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, the lake was better than I had been told. Uh, I remember I skied a set there and and really enjoyed it. Um, and then on top of this, there were so many good slalom skiers there. It just all kind of fell into place. Yeah, who was there um, at the time? Like, who? so we had well yourself. Yeah. Right. You were there for your masters. Benny Stottlebauer, Jarrett Bull. Yeah. Um, we had Brad Ronaldson. Yeah. Who was still around? Um, I mean, there was tons of of great slalomers, yep. and I think that was certainly, um, you know. A big pro of going there it was like look i can go there and, and ski with these guys every day yeah yeah of course which is probably i mean with the exception of your brother uh i know you were skiing with nate on and off but like you didn't really have that everyday experience which let's face it like by the time you get to 39 41 right. it's very rare that you get to ski with someone your level every day you know yeah, but it's so key at the same time right and the i think the coolest part is you get to see what they do you can see what they're doing training you see you know ski setup and all of that really you know I, I think i really stepped it up with all of that by going there yeah and skiing with these guys every day i would certainly agree so. and in those four years a lot of things happen and yeah. if i you know obviously we're friends uh it seems to me that those four years are the years that launched you into the very you know elite part of the sport yeah what happened what what do you think was kind of like another key moment so I think, so I'll just try and think back. Uh, my freshman year, I think that fall, I skied my first collegiate national championship. Yep. Um, and I ended up getting, I think, fourth place or so. I, I ran 3.39, which was a good score for me at the time. So 3.39 nationals. Yep. So 3.39. Um, at the time, I was running 39, but not not very consistently maybe one a week tops you know okay. it was kind of like still a big pass for me and the next spring i ran my first 39 
Corey's ski school, Keith Albritton driving. The yep. first time I ever met Keith. Right. Right. Pull me through my first 39, two at 41. And I just, I remember, you know, I, I really think that that getting through that pass, getting over that hump, getting through 39, which my whole life I was told, if you can run 39, you can, you can compete, you know, ah, right. Ah. You can. So I, I think it was a, it was a big hurdle. It was a huge pass. Right. And once I ran it the first time, I sort of think that, you know, things started to, you know, it was more of the, I know I can do it. Right. Right. So that was spring 14? Spring 14. Okay. And then you go through your season. By the way, let's let's also not forget, like, you said casually that you could have gone to Ohio State. Yeah. But the Ohio State is one of the best universities in the nation. So you're, you were also like a stellar student. And I know you took your academics very seriously during your time at UL. How was that managing the two? So, yeah, for me, academics has always been almost priority one. Interesting. I was, you know, that, that was sort of something that I always promised my parents. You know, I, I do as much skiing as, you know, as I can, but I'm really going to prioritize my academics and hopefully come out with a good job to be able to continue to do this. Right. And um, so I, I took it pretty seriously. I remember I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do when I got to UL. Um, and I think balancing, it was the first time on my own as well, living out on my own. And just having the lake five minutes away, but also being able to, um, you know, kind of prioritize and figure out what I wanted to do just really helped me. You know, I started kind of getting into a routine, um, focused on academics, but I was also able to still ski. And um, yeah, so. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting balance that, right? Yeah. Uh, not, I would say not the easiest, probably, but also the fact that you were somewhere like a, U, a University of Louisiana with the lake close by with a lot of friends that you could ski with like the, it was tough to balance but also easier to ski right so you had that going for sure yeah no for sure and I also think for us we had brand new nautique yeah growing up I never had zero off we had perfect pass mm -hmm. um, you know things were really dialed in at UL we had everything kind of set up and um, you know, we had Bennett's close by, Corey's was within driving distance. I used to go there still all the time. Within Meckler driving distance. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> right. No, it was, it was it, like six hours? Yep, six yeah, hours. Six hours. Yep. Yeah, so six hours away is not that bad, is it? No. Yeah. And, and let me back up just a sec. The summer before I went to UL, um, I lived and worked at Corey's uh -huh. and trained every day. This was probably by far the best experience I had. Daniel Edvarka was there, mm -hmm. who had a huge influence on my skiing growing up. Every time I went to Corey's, you know, he'd always want to ride and, and help me out and coach. And um, so I was able to ski with him. Adam Settemeyer was there. Uh, Martin Bartowski was there. Yep. Uh, I mean, these guys were running 39 every day. Um, and that, just watching them and just wanting to be a part of that you know, I, I think really helps as well. Yeah, and also like the summer before going to UL, you're surrounded about like by skier. You're surrounded by skiers that won like I think together like five nationals in men's slalom. Yeah, I mean this is like good good skier, and obviously they went on and did even more right. uh, like amazing achievements. You know, yep. um, now that summer, if I'm not mistaken, since we backtracked a little bit, followed your junior masters, yep. which. I, if I recall correctly, didn't go super well. Right. Um, 
Was that another push? Was that like another one of those like key moments? It was, you know, I, I um, it was another bit pretty big disappointment for me. Um, super windy, uh, which I actually pride myself on being able to ski in those conditions. So I really thought I had a good chance there, and uh, no, it just didn't go well. And I think it was it was another like, look, I'm the next time I have this opportunity, yeah, you know. And it was still kind of coming off that same year where I was really growing. I was really learning how to ski internationally, you know. How oh, that was the same it. year, right? It was the right. same year. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that was, it was a little bit of a rough experience. But I think, um, you know, having that experience, um, you know, it really set me up for to know what kind of preparation it took to succeed. Right. You know? Now, was it just preparation again, or was it also like, I don't know, I mean, you show up to Callaway Gardens first time, I'm assuming, or probably first time as a skier, you know, yeah. like it's, it's an experience. Right? Oh, totally. It, it absolutely was. It, um, it was the first time, again, that I've, I mean, Masters is, if you haven't been, it's such an incredible experience. You really, the vibe there is just, you know, it, I don't know if there's any, maybe apart from Moomba, there's no better vibe in our sport than masters. Right. You know, you're watching, you know, the people you've looked up to, you know, battle it out. And, and, um, no, I, I think it was another like point of, I want to be these guys. I, I want to do this. You know, it didn't go my way, but I'll be back. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you got really close last year, but we'll get to it. Yeah. We got really yeah. close. Um, so let me jump, you know, we're, we're going back and forth. There's no structure right. to this podcast, yeah. but like, so we worked 14 when we went 13, might as well go 15. Yeah. 2015. Yeah. So 2015 was world's year. Yep. I had another opportunity. Um, U21 worlds were going to be in Spain mm -hmm. and I like prioritized that tournament for two years. Since 2013, I said, I 2015 U21 Worlds, um, it's my only chance to do it because of the way my birthday was. It was my only chance. Um, and I, w I just remember putting together a plan, like, I'm I'm going to do as well as I can there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I, I guess we can sort of get into it. But um, please, that year I actually struggled quite a bit. So as I mentioned, 2014 spring ran first 39. That summer, I, I ran 39s. I ran 39 at Nationals, ran 241. Um, you know, I was running 39. And in 2015, I was really struggling. I wasn't running 39. Um, I don't even know if I ran it in a single um, tournament round leading up to Worlds. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just remember telling myself, you got to run 39. You've got to run 39. You go to Worlds, you got to run 39. Um, and so get to Spain, um, perfect site, Botas, um, Sasania. And I remember the, my practice sets there, I ran a 39 for the first time in, in I think it was a couple months even. In the practice in set? In the practice. Before, like at Worlds? Showed up, I had a few days of practice, first set's not so great, but then ended up running 39. And I, I was just like, you can do you're going to do this you know so yeah you have that set and basically now you have that confidence right that yeah and, and i knew that that's what it was going to take i had robert pagosi brando caruso 
Jarrett Bull. I mean, I had big names, huge names. the The lineup was stacked. Yeah. And um, prelims, I didn't get through it, but got far enough down it to be second seed. I think I ran four and a half. Robert smoked it easy. One at forty one, top seed. Uh huh. And um, yeah, finals morning. I remember just telling myself, "Oh, you're you're gonna run thirty nine. You're gonna run thirty nine." And went out I think the top score at the time was Brando with either three or four um, you know it was far enough down that it was like you know you gotta, you gotta get a start and run it yeah and that feeling I think to this day running 39 in the finals at U21 Worlds I don't think it's I don't think it's been beat to this day because of the two-year kind of plan you know coming off of junior worlds in australia it was such a like mission accomplished feeling wow you know and i ended up winning um robert came as always super close running 39 um came up a bit short but anyway ended up winning and and yeah i i, I can remember that like yesterday it was give me like yeah because i can see that right like um you, you had this old plan, and I kind of want to tease that out in a second, but then the year of, things aren't working, right? right? So I can see how, you know, oh, yeah. a little pressure going Absolutely. in. Absolutely. Um, I remember the 39, I had a huge one ball, like massive, turned backwards, <laughs> held on super right. early in the two, like kind of managed my way through it. Um, but, yeah, I, I just remember that said it was, it was unreal. Yeah. I mean, that feeling of being world champion you know after making it your goal it was just unbelievable yeah yeah and you got to re-experience that feeling the following year but um let's tease out a little bit of the preparation like i understand the the rationale yep like you, junior worlds didn't go well you have two years you're going to be as prepared as possible mm -hmm. give me a sense of what that involves was it more skiing was it more skiing, better equipment, stronger mentally, physically? What what was what so, came through? You know, I, I'd say it was a little bit of all of that. But 2014, I started dating Janina. Yeah, Janina Bonneman, and it was the first time that I really started to take it seriously off the water, mm -hmm. or as as it should have, right? And um, so I was going to the gym more. I was getting stronger. I was eating better. You know, I, I for the first time had a real training partner who had been there had done it. She's overall master's champion. She's had success. Yep. And it was the first time that, you know, we could really put a plan together, you know, as a team. And we had the goal, the same goal, 2015, there's one tournament we have to compete in. You know, it was, it was that mindset. It was, yeah. the world's is the tournament. And, um, that year I, I just, I think it was a little bit of, you know, being stronger, being more fit, having experienced, you know, some downs. I was, I've known what that felt like. And I just used that as such motivation to, you know, get my mental state right on the dock and, um, you know, kind of overcome that and be like, no, today is your day. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to run 39. So like good positive self-talk on yeah. the dock. And, you know, it, I guess I also was, I had done it the year before. I had run 39 in big events. You know, I said I'd, I ran it at nationals. I ran it. At, so I knew I could do it. Um, but, yeah, I think it was it was it was just everything combined. But I think a big part of it was 
Janina and I just focusing on that event, you know, kind of working out together, skiing together, putting the plan in place. And yeah, was so sorry to go back to that, but like, and yet that year leading up to the worlds, you weren't skiing so like so good. So were you able to kind of put it in perspective? Kind of like it doesn't have to be now. It's going to be war at worlds. You know, like were you able to do that through that year? Yeah, I, I think I was, you know, I, I think I, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself early in the year with the tournament coming, which is probably more part of why I wasn't skiing well. But, you know, uh, apart from Junior Worlds and Masters, I had always kind of had this ability to, to kind of surprise myself in tournaments. I think the first time I ever ran 38 was at the National Championships. Um, first time I ran 35, also at National, like... I had this, you know, confidence, I guess, leading from those experiences where, um, you know, I was just able to focus and get in that mindset and, you know, it was just let the boat do the work and, and keep going, you know. Let the boat do the work. Let the boat do the work. Yeah. So, all right. And then following year, 2016, there's an interesting kind of world in that year. Yeah. So 2016, we had the University World Championships. Um, so coming off 2015, um, the team, like, first of all, you had to, there's no independence. Yep. So I had to qualify for the team, uh, which is something I had never been a part of. I was never on us teams or anything with it being four members at the time and the university worlds, you were able to have six team members. So they had the room to take a slalomer. Um, so it was really my focus, first of all, to make the team. Right. Um, and University World Team Trials were at Ron Goodman's place, Ron and Terry Goodman, in um, up near Seattle, and uh, was able to make the team. And that summer, I ended up working at Good. So I was able to get experienced. Um, I guess, we'll, we'll stop here and talk about it a little bit. Sure. Um, so working at Good, I was able to really dial in something that I had never really had an opportunity to do. And that was my equipment. Mm -hmm. I learned an unbelievable amount from Dave, just being there for three to four months. Um, I got on a ski that really complemented my style. Um, I switched actually to a power shell. I switched to the hard shell binding from, from a single wrap Wiley and a kicker, right? Which I had skied on forever um which i think long run really helped me out i think it's part of why i'm a little bit more consistent now um but yeah the, the focus that year was collegiate nationals and university worlds that was right. that was kind of the year and it was in japan so you as well were able to go barely squeezed in by 15 days <laughs> yep and yep. um so yeah so t tell me what what do you think about that or like you know. Well, I mean, I don't want to tell the story, but I'll just say that, I mean, obviously it was a great experience, right? right? Like in general, like the world, Japan, the trip we did afterwards, you know, it was just a phenomenal experience. But I will say that the set that you had there, it's among, to me, the top three water ski sets I've ever seen in my life. That's like I witnessed, you know, like I witnessed. Why, why don't you talk? talk yeah, so why don't you I'll, tell I'll us talk about a little it. bit more about the site. So we showed up, and as I remember, it was an irrigation ditch yep. that they yeah, used yeah. to water, right? They used to irrigate their, you know, plants and all that. And um, 
we showed up and it was extremely challenging. Mm-hmm. I remember my practice said it was rolly. It was, you know, the water was high. It was a little bit of a current to it. Yep. Um, we only got two passes down and back. And I remember we were all sort of like, wow. <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. This is, this is really an experience. Challenging skiing. Challenging skiing. We showed up on prelims day. And as I recall, I believe the water went down. All right, we just came back from a little technical difficulty break. Um, we were saying, you know, like you had a little practice set. Yeah. Challenging. I remember that being quite challenging. Uh, prelims. Prelims. So um, I actually skied very well in prelims. Um, off the dog, I believe. Well, first of all, I think it was the f- the biggest pass was 38. I think the cut was one and a half, maybe two at 38. Yeah. Um, so, you know, wanted to be careful not to, not to screw anything up. But once I got past two, I was like, all right, this is an opportunity to practice, right? We only had two passes. I need to get myself dialed in here and I was able to get through 38 and, um, you know, the level of skiing in that list was unreal. We had so many great skiers and I knew that in the final it would take, you know, well down 39, even in the difficult conditions, if not running it. And I was able to get a good gate, good start at, at 39 and um, came up a bit short, but ran three and a half. Yep. Um, ended up second seed. I think Robert, I don't know if he ran ran it or... I think he ran four. Four, okay. Something like that. Yeah, so Robert, um, top seed, I was second seed. So we, we sort of had a little bit of a flashback to... Worlds. Worlds in 2015. And Robert and I, you know, obviously Robert one of the greatest skiers in the world right now. Yeah. And at the time he was a little bit younger than me, started kind of making his name for himself. And uh, I knew that in the challenging water, he was not going to let anything, you know, happen to him. I mean, he was going to get his score. Right. And so the finals day, I remember we showed up and the water was super high. There was, you remember like there was this algae in the water. It was like, I remember exactly what happened. We showed up and we, and the organizers really wanted to make sure that the skiers were happy and the conditions were good. And we showed up and we said, yeah, what is a little high today? And they said, well, no problem. So they opened the closings, basically draining the lake during finals. So that created a lot of current. Huge current and huge tailwind off the dock. And people were going down left and right and, you know, in their third pass, tailwind. Yep. And I remember I had, I was making the decision of, you know, I, I think at the time people were going down in 38 um, great skiers were going down in 38. Yep. And I really had to decide if, is this, you know, do I need to take 38 coming back? Do I need to switch this up? Um, I ended up sticking to 32 off the dock, um, ran 32. It was much worse out than I expected. Right. I got to the end of the lake and I was sort of regret, you know, I was like, yeah. man, 38 tail and that is going to be difficult. Um, got through 35, you know, kind of focused in and, and ran 38 pretty well. Um, came up short at 39 with the headwind and the, you know, head current, um, just was impossible to get wide and, um, got two and a half. Yep. Robert comes out, looks super easy, gets through 38, um, a little bit of struggle here and there, but overall pretty solid. Yep. And, you know, Ed changes out to three and, and to me, I, I think we all thought he, he was, he had it. Yeah. 
And um, like, because he had a he had a rough two at thirty nine in the final and squeaked the ski out and got two and a half. Yeah, he had a good two. Yep, you know he did. And he got over to three, and I, I think the current, you know, j- just sort of hit him. But anyway, we both ended up tying at two and a half. Yeah. So runoff, finals of the University World Championships, runoff. So I, I sort of was gifted this opportunity again, um, to, you know, to have a chance at the title. Um, and yeah, I remember running down to the dock. We, you know, coin flipped. I had to go first. And I just remember thinking back to 2015 and, and just thinking, you know, hey, you can do this. You know, you can run 38. You had a good start at 39. You can, you can run it. Yep. Um, off the dock, ran 38, managed somehow to just attack like crazy and run 39. Yeah. Ran two at 41 in the, um, in the runoff and ended up winning. Yeah, and, that's the, and that runoff is the set that I was alluding to as the craziest set I've ever seen because you, you had tailwind, tail current. Actually, if I'm not, if I'm recalling correctly, that didn't really slow down for the runoff. No. And 30, 38 of the dock tailwind was the pass that in the finals you were like, ooh, this is gonna be challenging. Well, that's why you started off the dock. Yeah. Run that, uh, and then that 39 headwind head current is really. I remember just like the hardest 135 I've ever seen, I, and the calmest 24, at least from the shore, right. that you would ever seen. And I remember I was on the shore with Benny and Tom Poole looking at each other like, did he just do that? This is insane. <laughs> yeah, it was, I honestly, I don't even remember. Like, it, it was just one of those modes when you're in and you just like, you don't see, hear anything else. You're just right. so focused, right? And right. Um, I remember pulling out for the gate, got a good one, just trusted, you know, used my strengths and my ability, just slam one three five, kind of survived two four, slam, you know. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it was incredible. I, I, the, the feeling that I had, you know, because it's one thing to win, but also I, to go and do it in a runoff, you know, and have to go back out there and the challenging conditions because you know you could anything can happen. Very different conditions than Cesena on top of this. I mean, very extremely. Different. I mean, yeah. Cesena perfectly flat, no roller, great sight, and this was yeah. Challenging to say the least, right? Uh, Akita, Japan. You know, obviously, I I came to you. Remember that story when I told you, hey, dude, let's celebrate. I'm gonna g- yep. treat you to the best sashimi ever. Ever. Right? Man, this is one of the greatest memories I have with you. <laughs> is that cool. night seriously? I, Matteo and I, we um, so, we were on a mission to find the best sushi, the best sashimi in the town. Yeah. We were like, where where are we gonna find whatever it costs? Right. We don't care. Right. You just won the worlds. Like we're doing it, you know. And um, do you remember we we started asking around? Yeah, but the problem is nobody speaks English Zero. in Japan. Zero. And I'll say nobody, meaning like nobody. Right. Even when we went to Tokyo, we were struggling. You know, like Absolutely. Google Translate was everyone's favorite app during that trip. And I remember like we showed up and we found this guy that we showed him the phone like best sashimi in town. And remember, he just pointed to a building. And we're like, no, you no, don't understand. Man, you don't, yeah. Like the best, best. And he was like, yeah, there. Oh, we definitely thought he wasn't understanding yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. Right? But then we did it, we did go there and it was, my God. Yeah, we was, like took this kind of sketchy elevator up to the restaurant, <laughs> you remember? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, that was one of my favorite memories with you is being able to share that together. S- sitting in front of the master. They gave us the oldest chef too, which I was proud of. You oh, know, yeah. Like, you remember his knife skills were just. Oh, my God. Oh my God, you know, like a practitioner, you know, like 
It was so cool. So such a cool experience. And then the trip afterwards. Yeah, like, it was unbelievable. I, I think that was, you know, obviously maybe some bias because I skied well, but I think it was the coolest experience through skiing that I had. Oh, is for Japan. Sure. Japan was the greatest country that I. I'm so glad that we got to go and experience it, and I would go back in a heartbeat. Oh, same here, same here. Look, I skied like crap, and I want to go back, and it's one of the best experiences I've ever had in skiing, you know? And big collegiate scene there, too. Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. Big collegiate scene. There was actually quite a bit of people there supporting us. Yeah, I remember on the bridge, like, watching. Yeah, yeah, it was was a pretty big event. Yeah, yeah. And then it's funny, because, like, when I went to interview Corey and Adam, Corey actually has gone to the Japanese collegiate nationals. He went really? and he showed me videos, man. I mean, it's a different vibe than the U.S. collegiate nationals. You don't yeah. have like Wisconsin Speedo 7 a.m. doing, you know, right, moves, right. but it's intense. Yeah, like, no, they're, they're cheering hard and people are skiing. It's, it's pretty cool. No, absolutely. I mean, I'm just growing up coaching at Corey's. They would always, you know, the, the collegiate teams would come over and we coach them in the spring and I mean, those guys are are very into it. Yep. There's a big ski scene there. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's why I think it was it added to that vibe of that tournament of you know they they were loving to have us there, which was so cool. Yeah, you the know, final they did pretty ceremony. much anything for us. You remember it was. Yep. They were asking every every minute, hey, you know, how is everything going? And right. Um, no, it was a great experience. That. Yeah. So now, 2016, you got two gold medals at two different world championships. On different, like on one side of the world and the other side, right? Yep. Um, and then you get back to the U.S. to school. Like, what, did anything change in you? You know, like, did you feel like a different skier? Did you, you know? I, I certainly remember having the feeling of like, um, you know, I like, I had to prove to myself that I I could do it in in big events. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I remember getting back and and thinking like, you know, you. After doing that and, and traveling across the world, like y- you can do that, you know that this is something that I want to pursue. Right. You know, and, and and I think it certainly gave me a lot of confidence on the dock. I I remember that season; it wasn't over yet. I mean, um, I didn't do any professional events that year, but we had the collegiate nationals, which was a huge tournament. Um, so many great skiers every year in that, um, and it was my last one, which you know another big you know, kind of big deal. I wanted to go out hopefully winning. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, I, I remember just getting back and, and having that sense of like, you know, you've accomplished some of these goals. You can, you can continue to do it. So. And did you do it? So collegiate nationals, um, ended up tying with Tebow. Uh, we had a runoff. So sort of in the same situation as a month before right. runoff with a tremendous skier, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> was not going to leave anything out there. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we ended up tying, like tying and then tying. Uh, oh, tying in the tournament, tying, tying in the runoff. in the runoff. And um, we didn't, per the rule, we didn't get to do another one. So we ended up sharing the podium that year. Splitting the points um, for the team. Splitting the points for the team. Um, so, yeah, I remember Tebow and I were both on the dock, like, no, like, let, let's let's do it again, you know? Right. Like, let, let's... Let's see who wins. Obviously, right? We're both competitive, and we wanted to go back out there. And anyway, it it didn't work out. But, yeah, I I felt pretty good about that. I mean, Tebow's incredible skier. Yeah. I mean, he, especially in big events, he always shows up. Right, right. And, um, yeah, it was was a fun experience. And and winning that one, which was actually my second, or, you know, tying for the win, was actually my second collegiate national title. 
as a team as a no as as oh, individual. As, as individual as an individual yeah. so in 2015 we won as a team um and then my last year won individual and we got like super close as always to monroe yeah you know yeah classic <laughs> classic so you how many team championships do you have how many rings so just one one 2015 um and that year we won every single event and i got to dust off my trick ski all right and jumpers and benny stottebauer did as well and <laughs> so that was a ton of fun we were both you know we were fourth and fifth rotation couple of slalom skiers you know <laughs> right and just like trying to figure out what we could do knees you know? very close yeah you know? <laughs> and, and so i actually kind of got to um you know reinvent myself with jumping yeah um it's something that i kind of like put on the back burner for a while and um and then being able to jump with you know we had chris wharton on the team and dylan schaefer and oscar wickstrom and i mean we had a good amount of jumpers uh, incredible jumpers and and having those guys there to jump with I mean, I remember because I would always go super early, like right, you know, right, especially right. if I had to slalom after, you know. <laughs> slalom ski, of course. Right, and um, so I think he made my rope like pretty short. You know, he, they were doing everything <laughs> they could to really get me to get after it, and um, I actually ended up doing not too bad. I, and, and Benny as well. I, you guys we both, both went over 150, right? Yeah, um, I think at that nationals we were both like, uh, like I think Benny was 148 or something, and I was a little bit less, but. You know, we both pretty respectable scores. I, yeah. I think we both sort of had fun with it. And, you know, when you have zero pressure and you're out there for fun, it, I mean, it was a cool experience. But how comes zero pressure? Because, I mean, to me, I would say, like, it's even more pressure because you know you're skiing for the team, right? Yeah, well, we, we obviously with the team that year, we were sort of in a lucky situation where we had already skied so well. Okay. That, okay. Um, you know, we, we pretty much... You knew by men's jump. We, we that sort you... of had to all land and, and you know, just kind yeah. of get on the board. and um, But, yeah, I mean, that, you know how Collegiate Nationals is. The Hundreds best. of people in the water, men's jump. Flamingo. You know, you and, know. and I had watched it for my freshman year, and and uh, I didn't think I'd ever get the opportunity to do it. You know, so oh, I, ended up, right. I ended up jumping, I think, sophomore, junior, and senior year. That's cool. Yeah. And so I got to experience that, which I think is one of the best events, obviously, but all, not only the whole event, but that men's jump capstone. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. just, there's something to it, you know? I mean, that's where you win or lose. Yep. I mean, every year when we were close to Monroe, it was it was always coming down to men's jump. Yep, yep. No, and I think, I mean, I don't know about you, but to me, like, team wins are always, like, those. That like, was incredible. You know? I mean, so much went into that. So much of the alumni network. I remember the f that was the first, like, I just remember, you know, yourself, but also so many people that went before us were reaching out. And, you know, it, it really felt like you weren't just doing it for you, you know, which in our sport is, is few and far between to have a team, yeah. you know, feeling like that. Yeah, no, so. that's kind of like the usual, right? Like right. you ski for yourself. Absolutely, yeah. So, all right. Um, why don't we take a break? Okay. And then when we come back, I want to talk about more yep. recent last two or three years. Then. Sounds good. Do 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 do